Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon everyone on the east coast of the United States, the central region, and also on the west coast. Um, It's almost going to be afternoon there. Uh, My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Also, those who are listening to me, Scattered around the world, over the Internet, over the 2.3 billion reach that the Internet has. That means that 2.3 billion people around the world have access to the Internet. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, uh, those who are listening to me for the first time and those who have been listening to me for years, um, since 2008. Again, welcome. I'm going to talk about music what does the Bible say about music and how we can incorporate uh, music into our lives in a positive way. Uh, First, I want to address um, some world news, as I tend to do often on this program. And before I do that, uh, for those who are new, I welcome you to join my uh, Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program newsletter. It's called Merciful Service of God Newsletter. And you could uh, simply go to my website, mercifulserviceofgod.com, and you'll see a drop-down box, and you can put your name and email address, and you can receive my uh, biblical instructional newsletter, which uh, I talk about prophecy, and also I talk about uh, other things related to the Bible. So I invite you to subscribe. It's a free subscription. Now let's uh, take a look at some world news here. And what I usually do is go to uh, watch.org, and if you have access to APC as you're speaking to me, you can do that as well. Uh, Please, if you want to call, uh, you can call, like, I would say five minutes uh, before the end of the program here. Um, The guest call-in number is 347-945-7525. That's 347-945-7525. Please uh, call me like five minutes uh, before the end of the program. I would appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to go to watch.org here. Find out what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, That's www.watch.org. World Watch Daily by Koenig, K-O-E-N-I-G, International News. Real good website he's created here to keep us up to date with what's going on in Jerusalem because he and others know that things will begin in Jerusalem, meaning the Great Tribulation will begin in Jerusalem and will end 
in Jerusalem the great chaos that the Bible calls the Great Tribulation and the Day of the Lord. Now, this first headline on this website, it says, Ahmadinejad unveils Iran's newest radar-evading combat jet. So he's just bragging about uh, what they were, well, not bragging, but <laughs> advertising what uh, he has been able to do. It says, Iran unveiled on Saturday its newest combat jet, a domestically manufactured fighter bomber that military officials claim can evade radar. Okay, and Turkey's FM denounces Syria's Assad for not responding to alleged Israeli attack. Israel, if those who don't know, Israel did attack Syria. Uh, they didn't kill anybody. They just uh, bombed a particular area. Then, of course, to, whenever something like that happens, Muslims are using that to try to retaliate and so forth. And uh, Panetta, this is another headline to an article, Panetta suggests Washington fully backs Isra Israeli strike on Syria. So he was the uh, former, or actually he's the outgoing defense secretary. Um, the, the new defense secretary is still being grilled by Congress, and uh, they don't know whether or not he's going to be the next uh, secretary of defense. Uh, but uh, from what I heard today on CNN, uh, there's, a, there's a great probabil probability that he will be according to what I've heard anyway. Tying Israel with terror groups. Syria threatens retaliation. All right, so, and it says, Israeli war planes reportedly conduct mock raids over Lebanon. All right, so that's what's going on, and let me quote the scripture. Whenever I hear about Syria, I must remind myself and you of this prophecy that has not been fulfilled yet, if we're understanding it correctly. Uh, Isaiah 17, verse 1, it says, The burden of Damascus, Damascus is the uh, capital city of Syria. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. And we know that it still is a city. Uh, historians have stated that uh, it was destroyed before. True, but it's still a city. And the Bible clearly indicates here that Damascus would no longer be a city. And it should be a ruinous heap. Well, we see right now that Damascus is still a city and is not a ruinous heap. So we need to keep an eye and see if there is another prophetic fulfillment of this. It appears that it is, if we're understanding the prophecy correctly. All right, there also is some news that I need to address because most people will not get the true story about the economy and what's going on in the United States. And, re and realize that what's going on, if the economy is this bad in the United States, it must be horribly bad around the world. And it is, because there's a prophecy that predicts that. Let's go over this prophecy again. It's in Romans, not Romans, Revelation, chapter 6. I'm going to be quoting this prophecy <laughs> very often, because we're living in this right now, in the third seal, the beginning stages of it, it appears. Uh, Revelation, chapter 6, starting in verse 8. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. No. Revelation chapter 6, verse 5, I'm sorry. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand, economics. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. Now we know it's definitely talking about economics and three measures of barley for a penny, and see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So 
Yeshua, or Jesus, did us a favor and interpreted this for us in Matthew chapter 24, if you turn there with me. And this is a pivotal and, and important passage of Scripture if you want to understand the summary of prophecy. Jesus, or Yeshua, did us a favor and summarized prophecy in Matthew chapter 24, which is commonly called, according to uh, religious historians and Bible students, uh, the Olivet Prophecies. In Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, and Mark chapter 13, there's various similar versions to this same prophecy. So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, which is across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and the end of the world, that word world in the Greek is aeon, a H E E on A E on or Aeon which means age. Aeon age. And he stated in verse four, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Read this in the King James, Take heed that no man trick or deceive you. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth. So we have to understand something that the twenty first century one of the main characteristics of the 21st century is worldwide deception about who Yeshua or Jesus is. Most people don't even know that Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Most people have not been taught that Jesus or Yeshua is a Jew. He still is a Jew today. The, the scripture in Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, in the, in the King James and other versions, Yeshua, Messiah, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means he's still a Jew. Verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, or Christ, and Christ is uh, in the Greek for Messiah, and shall deceive many, not the few. Many people will be tricked. Many people will be tricked, and are being tricked as I'm speaking. Verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. And certainly, just as I took you to that website, uh, you're hearing of rumors of wars in the backdrop, in the background about Iran attacking uh, Israel, then Israel attacking Iran, Israel just did something to Syria. So we're hearing that in the news. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end of what? The end of man trying to foolishly rule himself. That's what he's talking about. Verse 7, for nation, which means in the original Greek, family or tribe, okay, uh, Tribe or family shall rise against families, and this is definitely prevalent in this country and around the world. And kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. That's what he was talking about as far as the third seal. And the famines, economic famines, which lead to physical famines, which lead to pestilence and pestilence. Because if you're not taking care of yourself properly, what will happen? And I'm going to talk about that next week. Pestilence. And it has a lot to do with what we think is medicine today, which I'm going to talk about next week. And earthquakes in various places. He says all these things are just the beginning of sorrows. So I'm going to read to you something here that uh, I'm going to read to you something here that you really should know about the economy in this country, in the United States, and realize that what happens if the United States uh, hiccups the whole world hiccups. 
And this is just a quote here from the website. I might as well quote this to you. Uh, the number of Americans on food stamps grew from about 17 million in the year 2000 to more than 47 million today. And some people may say, well, what, what, what significance is this that Kennard is talking about these type of things? Well, I'll show you what the significance is. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 7, it states here, The righteous consider the cause of the poor. Uh, the word cause in the original Hebrew means um, their their sentence or uh, their case, their cause, all right? Uh, so we we consider that if we call ourselves righteous, uh, we will be concerned uh, about their case. And it says the righteous understands, in the complete Jewish Bible version, the righteous understands the cause of the poor, but the wicked is unconcerned. So we should, if we are righteous, should be concerned about people who are in poverty, people who are struggling, so that we can pray for them and care for them. So that's the reason why I talk about these things on my program, so that it'll influence and stimulate some people who actually are righteous and actually do care about the poor to know what they can do to help if the media is giving us false information, and they are, about the unemployment situation. So I'm sure that if you are righteous and if you care about the poor, you would want to know what the truth is so that you can help people. So anyway, uh, on this website is the economiccollapseblog.com. It's the economiccollapseblog.com. It says, shocking numbers that show the media is lying to you about unemployment in America. And I'm going to read this entire article because it's very important that uh, you and everyone else know about this. Did you know that the percentage of U.S. labor force that is employed has continually been falling since 2006, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics? Did you know that the increase in the number of Americans not in the labor force during Barack Obama's first four years in the White House was more than three times greater than the increase in the number of Americans not in the labor force during the entire decade of the 1980s? I get people saying we don't have that much, to, uh, that we have a lot more time. We have this and that. After reading this to you, I think you need to reconsider your thoughts. The mainstream media would have us believe that 157,000 jobs were added to the U.S. economy in January. Because on that news, the Dow broke the 14,000 barrier for the first time since October 2007. Folks, look, let's understand something about the, the game, the lottery game, the legal lottery game of, of the Dow Jones Industrial, okay? It's a game that's played by the rich. The poor aren't allowed to play. And that the fact that the Dow Jones Industrial broke 4,000 points does not help the poor, does not help the working poor in this country or around the world. It's just good news for the rich, folks. That's all it is. All right? That's as, simply, that's as simple as I can explain it. Anyway, but if you actually look at the non-seasonally adjusted numbers, the number of Americans with a job actually decreased by 1%. 1,446,000 between December and January. But nowhere in the mainstream media did you hear that the U.S. economy lost more than 1.4 million jobs between December and January. Of course. What did I just quote what, what, what did I just quote you from Yeshua's mouth? The deception is not just religious deception. It's deception in all forms, including this. Including this. The problem with what this let me just say, just say this, try to say it anyway. The biggest problem that this world has, 
originated with Cain's statement in Genesis chapter 4. When, let's go there, Genesis chapter 4. And I've tried to preach this. I've tried, and I'm still trying to preach it to people. And I, I think some people just don't get it. They just don't get it. Anyway, Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. And I'm going to read this uh, in the, um, well, actually, I read it in the King James Version. It's pretty clear. Genesis 4, verse 8. Well, actually, just start in verse 6. Genesis 4, verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? Verse 7. If you do well, shall you not be accepted? So, that's the question he asks all of us. If we do well, we'll be accepted by him. Don't we all want to be accepted by Yah or God? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. What is sin? The transgression of the law or the Torah, the teachings of God. That's what sin is. First John 3, verse 4. And unto thee shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. He's stating that we can rule over sin. We can overcome sin if we just have the desire to do it, and he'll give us the help to do it. But what we what do we want to do? Just like the Super Bowl this weekend. They're going to have Beyonce and all that with a little sex crap and everything else. You know, that is not something that is acceptable to God, folks. That's not acceptable to him. For us to focus all our energies on two people trying to kill each other on the football field, that's not acceptable to God. We should put all those energies toward worshiping him and and listening to godly music, as I'm going to talk about today. And what is Beyonce all about? Music. The wrong type, as I'm going to talk about today. That gets us not to think about God. What is it about her music that has anything to do with God? You tell me. Anyway, verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So this is the first recorded murder in the history of mankind. Verse 9, and the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And look, and this is the smart, smartest Alec comment that I've ever heard anyone say to Yah or God, as far as I'm concerned. And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? The word keeper in original Hebrew means protector, provider. We are all our brothers, our fellow human beings, provider. We should all care for one another. That's what this is all about. That's what the, the gospel, the good news, is centrality is being able to care and about your fellow neighbor. You shouldn't have the attitude, well, I've got a job, but he doesn't. I don't care. I don't care if he don't have a job. I have one. I don't care about you. As long as I've got a job, everything's okay. No, that, that's, that's, that's Cain's attitude. Am I my brother's keeper? Ephesians chapter 4. Folks, we're going to have to wake up. If you don't wake up, you're going to go through a lot of crap. You're going to go through a lot of stuff that's about to happen to this country and around the world. And it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up, folks. It's time to wake up. And, you know, m many people don't know why they work. But this is what the Bible tells you, why you work. Ephesians 4, verse 28. 
Let him that stole steal no more. So, number one, you work so that you don't steal, but rather let him work, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. That he may have to give to him that needs. That's why we work. We are our brother's keeper. We are our fellow human being's keeper. We should care about one another. We're all brothers and sisters. That's what Paul tried to explain to the the Grecians in Acts chapter 17. It's a good chapter. Read it. Study it. All right. Let's get back to this article here. Sorry for venting, but sometimes the Spirit leads me to do that. And I have to vent. Because I know this country is just... (sighs) The leaders especially are losing their minds. Anyway... It is amazing the things that you can find out when you actually take the time to look at the hard numbers instead of just listening to the media spin. And that's all they do. Spin away, they deceive, as Yeshua states in Matthew chapter 24. Back in 2007, more than 146 million Americans were employed. Today, only 141.6 million Americans are employed, even though our population has grown steadily since then. Did you get that? Let me repeat that. Back in 2007... More than 146 million Americans were employed. Today, only 141.6 million Americans are employed, even though our population has grown steadily since then. That's five years, folks, and only, what, one point uh, a million more were added? That's sad, in five years. When the government and the media tell you, and we have a population of, what, what um, 300 million people in this country? When the government and the media tell you that we are in a recovery and that unemployment is lower than it was a couple of years ago, I encourage you to dig deeper. The truth, and that's what we're looking for, the truth is that even the government's own numbers tell us that the percentage of the U.S. labor force that is employed continues to fall and that the U.S. economy is heading into a recession. I would say that we're in the beginnings of a depression, not just a recession. The Obama administration and the media have been lying to you. What did I just quote? Let's quote it again from the greatest prophet who lived of all time and is still living right now. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. And Yeshua answered and said unto him, Take heed that no man deceive you, trick you. That's what he says. So listen up to the truth. The Obama administration and the media have been lying to you about unemployment and about the true condition of our economy. After you see the numbers that I have compiled in this article, I think you will agree with me. (coughs) Excuse me. First of all, let's take a look at the percentage of the civilian labor force that has been employed over the past several years. These numbers come directly from, you know what, the Internet. You can go on the Internet and look, look, look at these facts yourself. From the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which our tax dollars pay for, as you can see, this is a number that has been steadily falling since 2006. 2006, 63.1 million. 2007, 63 million. 2008, 62.2 million. 2009, 59.3 million. 2010, 58.5 million. 2011, or this is the percentage, I'm sorry, 63.1 and 63%. 2007, 2008, 62.2%, 2009, 59.3%, 2010, 58.5%, and 2011, 
and 2011, 58.4%. This is percentage, I'm sorry. In January, only 57.9% of the civilian labor force was employed. Do the numbers above represent a positive trend or a negative trend? Even a second grader, <laughs> even a second grader could answer that question. So how in the world can the Obama administration and the mainstream media claim that the employment picture is getting better and that we are in a recovery? But most Americans believe what they're told. It are just ducks flying around, just, oh, well, it's no big deal. It is almost as if we are in some kind of matrix where reality is defined by the corporate-controlled propaganda that is relentlessly pumped into our brains. The only way that the government has been able to show a declining unemployment rate is by dumping massive numbers of Americans into the not-in-the-labor-force category. Just check out the number of Americans not in the labor force has absolutely skyrocketed in recent years. Now, uh, this is going to be in the millions here. 2006, 77 million, 77 million 387,000. 2007, 78 million 743,000. 2008, 79 million 501,000. 2009, 81. In other words, it's going up, folks. In 2011, 86, and then in January, there was supposedly 89 billion. 89 million, right? 89,868,000 Americans that were at least 16 years of age that were not in the labor force. That number has risen more by 8 million since Barack Obama first entered the White House. And that is highly unusual because the number of Americans not in the labor force only increased by 2.5 million during the entire decade of the 1980s. That's sad. You, you sure can get the numbers to look more favorable if you pretend that millions upon millions of American workers simply don't want a job any longer. The truth is that if the labor force participation rate was at the same level it was at, at when Barack Obama was first elected, the official unemployment rate would be well above 10%. But that wouldn't do it all, would it? 7.9% sounds so much nicer. And, of course, even if you do have a job that does not mean that you are doing okay, that's what – I don't get – you know, this is something that is incredible. People think – the average person thinks that if you have a job, everything's okay. No, it's not. There's a difference between a job and a livable income job. There's a big difference. Working at McDonald's in most cases is not going to provide a car. It's not going to provide a car. It's not going to feed two or three kids or a wife, or yourself, unless you are franchise owner of McDonald's or perhaps working as a manager. But I know somebody that was a manager at McDonald's, and she just got totally uh, – <laughs> it's a tough job to manage in a restaurant, folks. The money's there, but it's a very difficult job, and she didn't have a life. So anyway um, – if you can believe it, in America today, 41% of all workers make 20000 a year or less. All right, now that's a significant statement there. If you can believe it, please believe it because it's true. In America today, 41% of all workers make 20000 a year or less. That's uh, a person that's single, that would be difficult to live off of 20000 Keep in mind that that's your gross amount. You're not taking into consideration all the taxes that are drained from that. To me, that is a mind-blowing statistic. It would be incredibly challenging for anyone to live on, I just stated that, on $20,000 a year, much less to try to support a family. So you know, we're really in bad shape, folks. And you need to stop thinking that we have a lot of time left before the Great Tribulation. If Yah doesn't do something to slow this down, 
none of us are going to be alive very soon. All right, that that's the plain and simple uh, truth of this whole situation here. And that's the reason why I'm being a little more uh, fervent in, in how I present this today. If you live in Washington, D.C. or New York City and you have a good job working for the establishment, you may not realize it, but there are tens of millions of American families that are really hurting out there. Tens of millions. And, I'm, and people that are listening to me that are well off financially, good for you, goody gumdrop for you. But there's a lot of people, millions of people in this country, your brothers and sisters, that are hurting out there. When I mean brothers and sisters as far as fellow human beings. Americans are either poor or low income at this point, and most of those people actually do have jobs. Let me, let me underscore that and repeat that again. Americans are either poor or low income at this point, and most of those people actually do have jobs. It doesn't make a difference if you're white, black, green, or yellow. <laughs> people are struggling in this country. For much more on the working poor in the United States, please see my previous article, and if you go to this article on the economiccollapseblog.com, you can click on the link where it says 35 statistics about the working poor in America that will blow your mind. If something is not done, the middle class will continue to disappear and poverty in America will continue to explode. In a previous article, I noted that during Obama's first term, the number of Americans on food stamps increased by an average of about 11,000 per day. How bad do things have to get before people realize that we are living through a nightmare? I agree. Sadly, most Americans still have faith in the system. They ought to have faith in God, not in this government, if you want to call it a government. Most Americans are still convinced that our politicians will somehow find a way to turn things around. That's a joke. They haven't turned things around in years. Most Americans will gather around their television sets this weekend, and I just talked about that, and watch the Super Bowl. Ooh, the Super Bowl! And laugh at all the funny commercials and idiotic commercials I'm adding without even thinking about how America is literally falling apart around them. We all want to party and forget our problems. We don't want to face our problems. We don't want to wake up to reality. But there is one group of Americans that is acutely aware of how bad things have really gotten. Small businesses have traditionally been the primary engine of job growth in this country. But right now, small business owners all over the nation are facing a tremendous crisis. Millions of small businesses are on the verge of extinction. Believe me, I know I'm a small business owner myself, and it is so difficult to make money. And I try to tell other people, it's because they got their minds on television and other garbage, they don't seem to understand what I'm talking about. And yet, our politicians just continue to pile on more taxes, more rules, and more regulations. A recent Gallup poll found that 61% of all small business owners in America are worried about the potential cost of health care and that an astounding 30% of all small business owners in America are, are not hiring and fear that they will go out of business within the next 12 months. Did you hear what I said? And that an astounding 30% of all small business owners in America are not hiring and fear that they will go out of business within the next 12 months. In a previous article entitled, We Are Witnessing the Death of Small Business in America, I detailed how small businesses in America are being systematically wiped out. Small businesses are dying all around us, and the number of new small businesses continues to decline. According to economics, economists, rather, Tim Kaine, according to economist Tim Kaine, the following is how the decline in the number of startup jobs per 1,000 Americans 
breaks down by presidential administration. Senior Bush, Bush Senior, rather, 11.3. Clinton, 11.2. In other words, it's gone down. Obama's at 7.8. Is that a good trend or a bad trend? All of this is so simple that even the family pet should be able to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know about my pets, but... And yet, most Americans seem oblivious to all of this. Right, because they're looking at Beyonce. They're looking at the Super Bowl. They're looking at all the movies and television. Oh, I want to have fun. They just keep gobbling up the mainstream media propaganda, and they just continue to go out and wildly spend money. It is almost as if we didn't learn any lessons from 2008. This is just sad. This is just totally sad, folks. And, and we need to wake up. Even while household spending in Europe has moderated, household spending in the United States continues to soar. It's madness. Why? Why do we keep on spending? Let's save. We don't even understand what the word save means. Most people think to save is an alien from outer space. And guess what? The infamous no money down mortgages are back. Here we go again. If we wait long enough, perhaps interest-only mortgages will make a comeback as well. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that time is running out. Time is running out! We have been living in the biggest debt bubble in the history of the world. And it is only a matter of time until it bursts. 2008 was just a hiccup compared to what is coming, folks. Our politicians and the Federal Reserve were able to keep the House of Cards from completely crashing down back then, but they are not going to be able to avert the economic horror show that is rapidly approaching. I hope that you are getting prepared. I've tried to warn you people on this program over and over and over again to wake up, to stop it with your, oh, I want to have fun attitude and get busy about preparing for this garbage that's about to happen. Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent man or woman foresees the evil and hides himself. But the simple, you want to be dumb, stupid, simple? Go ahead and pass on. And you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to be punished. You're going to be punished. God cares about you. I care about you. We don't want to see you be punished unnecessarily. Hebrews 11, verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen yet. And that's what I'm doing through the scriptures. Move with fear. Something wrong with good fear. If you know somebody about to blow your brains, are you going to sit there and let them do it? No. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So let's be wise, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not be stupid. Anyway, I hope that you're getting prepared. Back in 2008, millions of Americans suddenly lost their jobs, and because many of them did not have any savings, many of them suddenly lost their homes. One of the most important things that you can do to prepare for the coming crisis is to build up an emergency fund. If things suddenly go bad, you don't want to lose your house and everything that you have always worked for. In addition, anything that you can do to become more self-sufficient and more independent of the system, like trying to, to uh, build your own business, you know, if you have a good job, spend your time instead of wasting time looking at television, three or four hours of when you come home, spend that time trying to, to build a business, build a, a home-based business. 
That's what you should be doing right now. In addition, anything that you can do to become more self-sufficient and more independent of the system is a good thing because the system is failing. The years ahead are going to be much more chaotic than what we are experiencing right now. And when the next crisis strikes, you will be very thankful for the time and the energy that you put into preparing. So what are all of you seeing in your areas? Are businesses shutting down? That's what he's asking here. Are people having a hard time finding jobs? Please, please feel free to post a comment with your thoughts below. <laughs> he has a little picture of a little cat here. <laughs> That's right here. You make kitty scared. <laughs> Pretty interesting there. But uh, he's right. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And you ought to read these comments here. I sadly have to agree with you on this as far as the numbers being measured wrong. You know, so it's, it's folks... I'm doing the best I can. I'm just one little puny human being. You have to go in your communities and, and, and tell people about what's going on. you got to get people together to start caring. You shouldn't wait for a hurricane. You shouldn't wait for Sandy or Hurricane Sandy or Superstorm Sandy or some tragic event to do something, folks. You have your Bible, and you have folks like me and other people that are telling you the truth. Alex Jones, type him up, Infowars.com. Uh, Gerald Salente, you have you have resources to be able to understand what's going on in this world, folks. What's really going on in this world, and if you want to prevent yourself from having unnecessary issues or problems, then you need to listen, and you need to do something about it, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, um, let's get into music here. When the 21 minutes I have here. <laughs> Music is an art form whose medium is sound and silence. I'm, I'm getting this from uh, Wikipedia. Its common elements are pitch, which governs melody and harmony, rhythm, or rhythm rather, and its associated concepts, tempo, meter, and articulation, dynamics, and the sonic qualities of timbre and texture. The word derives from the Greek word uh, musiki, I guess, of the muses. Okay, so it's I didn't know that myself, that music was derived from the Greek word. But anyway, God loves music, folks. And let me quote some scriptures to prove that to you. And he wants us to use music properly, not the way Beyonce is going to be using it this weekend. Uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. Uh, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and, and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having one of them harps and golden vials full of orders, which are the prayers of the saints. And so you see that God has music around his throne. And verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and you have redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And then Revelation chapter 14, starting in verse 1, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion. This is talking about the heavenly Mount Zion in Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, not the earthly one. And with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Verse 2, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. In verse 3, And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the throne of, of Yah the Father, God the Father. And before the four beasts and the elders, and no man can learn that song but 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. So again, God loves music, folks. Psalm. And then the book of Psalms, 
is really the whole book is about uh, music. The Psalms are music. They were written for musicians to compose and, and to use for music. A Psalm 100, verse 1, a psalm of praise, reading this in King James Version, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So he's talking about everyone. All It says all the earth. That's what it should mean in the original uh, Hebrew. So he wants us to make, actually this means nations in the original Hebrew. Um, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, or, or the whole world. Verse 2 of Psalm chapter 100. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So he wants you to become, he wants you to, not to become, but be in his presence singing. We should, we should all have, you know, David was a man after God's own mind. And David was full of music, so we know that God is full of music, folks. He loves music. And we should love the right type of music, not Beyonce music and garbage. First um, Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 31. No, not sorry, not Corinthians. Uh, Chronicles, starting in verse 31. And these are they whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord after that the ark had rested. And they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing. That's where we get all this singing from. We get it from the Jews, of course, from, from uh, our ancestors, not just from the Jews, but all the rest of the tribes. Uh, uh, we, we get the tradition or the, the biblical uh Example here of the assembly singing. When we get gathered together, we should be singing. It says, uh, and they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation was singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, and then they waited on their office according to their order. And then in Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine, verse twenty-five. And he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and psalteries, with harps, according to the commandment of David, and of Gad the king's seer, or the old prophet, and Nathan the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. So God commands us to, to have music when we assemble. Uh, the Levites uh, are the teachers of the Torah. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. See, so music is very important to, to Yah. And... One of the things that music can do, which I have done some thorough research on here and I'm going to talk about today, is that it can help in the healing process. It can help in the healing process. Uh, for proof of this, uh, biblical proof and then secular proof, let's turn to First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 14. 
says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And, and this is something that you don't want. You don't want the, the Holy Spirit to depart from you because you know what's going to happen when that happens. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. You're going to have trouble from an evil spirit. Uh, verse 15, and Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubles thee. You, you do not want a demon or an evil spirit troubling you. Verse 16, let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. Isn't that something? So music has something to do with getting demons out of your life, getting spirits, evil spirits out of your life. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and you shall be well. So right there you have biblical proof that music can actually um, heal you from evil spirits who they can cause disease. Evil spirits can cause diseases and ailments. And verse 17, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. And verse 18, Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty, valiant man, and a man of war, and, a, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Verse 19, Wherefore Saul sent messages unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And in verse 22, And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. In verse 23, and it came, here's the key verse. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So that's a very pivotal uh, scripture in, in light of what we're talking about here because uh, uh, music will do that, folks. It will. It's, it's a positive thing. Now, the wicked and ridiculous music that we listen to today has its origins in the devil. Uh most people don't understand his origin. They don't understand what Yah gave him, and we're going to review that here in Ezekiel chapter 28. And one of the things he gave him is the ability to make music and produce music. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thou, thus says the Lord God, you fill up the sun, full of wisdom and perfect and beauty. That cannot talk about any human being, so this has to be talking about a spiritual being, folks. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Certainly uh, King Tyrus was not in the garden of God, the garden of Eden. Every precious stone was thy covering. Every precious stone? No, of course not. This is talking about a spirit being, folks. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the ox, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes. Okay? Was prepared in thee in, in the day that thou was created. So he and still Lucifer with the ability to create music according uh to the scriptures here. Alright, and it says pipes and then also tabrets timbrel that that's has something to do with music there. Alright, so this is very important to understand here. Uh this is a tambourine, uh, a hand drum, that's what a, a Tabard is, and then pipes. So uh, the tabard means um, a tambourine, and then the pipes. It looks like this this word is not. 
okay, it's talking about being a, a master craftsman here. But anyway, the point of the matter is that music was a part of Lucifer's creation here. All right, In verse fourteen: Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. You was upon the holy mountain of God. You walked upon down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in thy ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in thee. All right, and by the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, for the midst of the stones of fire. So this being was a cherub, a mighty archangel. Verse 17, thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. You have corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground, and I will lay thee before kings that you, they may behold thee. And what happened? What, what caused him to change? Verse 15 of Ezekiel 28, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day you were created until sin was found in thee, lawlessness. He did not want to obey God. Verse 18, Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire for the midst of thee, shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. So eventually the devil will be destroyed, folks, uh, according to this scripture and other scriptures. But the point is that he was created with the ability, or he was created with the association of music, among other things. And that's, that was the point I was trying to make in that scripture. The origin of all this music that we hear of today, the garbage mu music that we hear, the not all music is bad, but a lot of it is. And in the Ephesians two verse one, it says, "And you have, you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the atmosphere or the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. This is the devil." And the devil uses music, folks, <laughs> to really deceive people. He really does. And he's very effective with it. These poor teenagers and adults are, are, don't even think straight because of listening to the wrong type of music. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, verse 7, verse 5, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. What is a fool? According to the Bible, a fool is someone who doesn't believe in God. And when you listen to music that has nothing to do with God, that's what you're doing. <laughs> Listening to to music that that's not going to help you think properly. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. Verse 6. says, in, in the transgression of an evil man there is a snare, but the righteous does sing and rejoice. And we, and we do sing uh, righteous songs and, and, and good songs. And in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 12, it says, let a bear, hmm. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, I'm sorry. It says, a merry heart does good like medicine. And so when you sing the right type of songs, folks, it, it's like medicine. It, it heals you. It heals you. And that's what music is supposed to do. But a broken spirit drives the bone. So if you listen to music that's all about yourself, all about sex and violence and so forth, that's going to dry your bones. It's not going to be good music for you to listen to. And um, in the remaining time that I have here, I'm going to suggest that you guys get a book called The Mozart Effect. It's called Tapping the Power of Music to Heal the Body, Strengthen the Mind, and Unlock the Creative Spirit by Don Campbell. And this is a good book, and um, 
on page uh, let me highlight something here on page seventy eight he goes and he talks about the different types of music um in page seventy eight of this book the Gregorian chant which uh has his roots in uh, Judaism uses the rhythms of natural breathing to create a sense of relaxed spaciousness. It is excellent for quiet study and med- meditation and can reduce stress. Now, he talks about classical music uh, by Hayden and Mozart. It has clarity, elegance, and transparency. It can improve concentration, memory, and spatial perception. And then uh, he talks about um, big band, pop, and top 40 music and country music can inspire light to moderate movement, engage the emotions, and create a sense of well-being. Rock music by such artists as Elvis Presley, the Rolling Stones, or Michael Jackson can stir the passion, stimulate active movement, release tension, mass pain, and reduce the effect of other loud, unpleasant sounds in the environment. But it can also create tension, dissonance, stress, and pain in the body when we are not in the mood to be energetically entertained. And see, that's a problem. A lot of teenagers and adults listen to this type of music uh, all the time, and, and, and it's not good to listen to the way they listen to it today. Heavy metal, punk, rap, hip-hop, and grudge can excite the nervous system, leading to dynamic behavior and self-expression. It can also signal to others, so on page 80, especially adults living in the same house as their musically <laughs> assaultive teens, <laughs> the depth and intensity of the younger generation's inner turmoil and, and need for release. And, of course, uh, religious and sacred music, including uh, drumming, church hymns, gospel music, and spirituals can ground us in the moment and lead to feelings of deep peace and spiritual awareness. It can also be remarkably useful in helping us to transcend and release our pain. So that's important, too. I have a, a caller here. and You're on the air. Hello there. How are you? Okay. How are you? I am well, thank you. So what would you like to say? Oh, I was just, um, I saw you had a few minutes remaining, so I just wanted to jump on real quick and listen to what you had to say for your last few minutes. Oh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and um, release you from the call. I appreciate you calling, and uh, I'll finish up here. Thank you. All right. Okay. Um, this book is a good book, The Mozart Effect, and... I've actually bought the music that he recommends, and what I use a lot uh, for myself is uh, his CD for healing the body. I do get headaches, <laughs> like everyone else, and when I listen to Mozart's music, it heals me of the headache. It takes about an hour when I listen to it, and I'm totally relieved of the headache. It works so much better than aspirin. And also, it what it does, too. It, it it just gives you an aura of peace, and and it really helps you to to uh, to take on the stresses of life. So I would highly recommend you get his book, and and then also I'm giving him a plug here. I don't get any money for this. I'm just uh, telling you that uh, Mozart's music is, is very very effective as far as uh, stimulating the healing process, and this book really goes into detail. And explains that. And on page 15, he states here, Mozart's music may warm up the brain, suggested Gordon Shaw, a theoretical physicist, uh, for, for um, a theoretical physicist and one of the researchers 
after the results were announced. We suspect the complex music facilitates certain complex... I'm trying to read this in English for everybody here. <laughs> Patterns involved in the high brain activities like math and chess. By contrast, simple and repetitive music could have the opposite effect. So, and the guy that um, actually wrote this book, he was healed. He had some kind of um, brain problem or whatever, um, and he was healed through listening to Mozart's music. So I, I just wanted to, to point that out to you as well. And it says right here, proposing a mechanism for this effect on page 16, the scientist suggested that listening to Mozart helps organize the, the furring patterns of neurons in the cerebral cortex that's located uh, near your the spinal cord up in, uh, near your neck, actually the brain part. Especially the strengthening creative right brain processes associated with the spatial temporal reasoning. Listening to music, they concluded, acts as an exercise for facilitating symmetry operations associated with higher brain function. I'm trying to break this down into plain English. Actually, here he has it plain English. It can improve your concentration. So Mozart, listening to Mozart's music, can improve your concentration, enhance your ability to make intuitive leaps and not, incidentally, shave a few strokes off your golf game. Well, I don't play golf, but <laughs> it looks like uh, it says, uh, following the Irvine studies, a number of public schools introduced Mozart pieces as background music and reported improvements in their pupils' attention and performance. So the Bible, again, as it always is, is correct about whatever it says about anything, and uh, it states here that music is very important for us, and uh, we should uh, listen to the right type of music, like Mozart music, classical music, uh, even jazz. Any music that's stimulating that will will put your your focus on on God and and peace and and caring about people. Not music that's going to get you upset and and run your heartbeat up. I you know, I remember when I was younger, I used to listen to music that uh, would uh, cause my heartbeat to beat too fast. <laughs> and and that's and that's a no no. You don't want to do that. So anyway, uh, other scriptures you can review that I didn't get a chance to quote is Ephesians 5, verse 19, uh, James 5, verse 13, Colossians 3, verse 16 to 17, and Revelation 19, verse 6, which proves that he, God wants us to appreciate music and, and choose the right type of music to listen to. All right, so I'm going to talk about um, herbs and how to have a healthy body next week and um uh, Y'all willing, I should be able to give that broadcast next week. So may God bless and keep you, and uh, God willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. 
Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. I invite you to subscribe to our free newsletter. To subscribe, go to www.mercifulserviceofgod.com and wait for the drop-down box. Or, if you're on Facebook, the Facebook box. Enter your name and email address. When you confirm your subscription, Elohim willing, you will receive emails about the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of Elohim. Additionally, you will receive emails about various Bible topics. Shalom. Peace.